Hey everybody, welcome to episode 265 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from a lovely day in Austin, Texas. And I'm excited about my topic today as I continue the series I started back in episode 258 of talking about the emotions and feelings associated with running. And today I'm going to talk about fear and courage. Fear and courage. I teed this up a little bit on my last episode where I shared the Brene Brown quote, where she says, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but not both, not at the same time. And for anybody who is towing the line in a race, who's setting big goals, then you're choosing courage, which also means that there's going to be fear coming with that because both of those two things must come together. There cannot be courage without fear. So I'm going to talk today about the two things. I'm going to talk about the fears we encounter as runners. I'm going to talk about what courage looks like as runners, and then how to face and channel courage more than fear when we get those opportunities. Before we get there, I wanted to quickly give a shout out to my partner for this episode, Inside Tracker. I'll be talking more about my partnership with them mid-episode, but thanks to them for supporting me in these recent weeks and on today's episode. I also wanted to start with actually a listener question. We got a listener question coming from listener Victoria and really always appreciate these questions and I like throwing them on the podcast when I have that opportunity. So here we go. Victoria asks, she said, so you've said to incorporate shorter race training cycles to help with speed instead of going just from one marathon cycle to the next I'm looking to do some shorter races, but is it better to do them in ascending order? For example, work the mile, 5K, 10K, half in that order, or mix up the distances, for example, 5K, half, mile, 10K. Thanks so much for all you do. I've learned so much from this podcast and love your format and way of presenting information. Well, thank you, Victoria, for listening, and thanks to you for the question. I really appreciate that, and I firmly believe in the magic and power of doing speed work because you're only going to be the best version of your marathoning self if you're willing to drop down in distance and work the 5k the 10k the half at various times and i can tell you as a runner myself i have averaged about one marathon a year since my beginning journey as a runner and i've tried to at least mix in at least one speed cycle one half cycle and one marathon cycle in every year. But I will say to answer your question that it doesn't necessarily have to be sequential. For me as a coach, I'm actually not as much worried about the sequence of that work as I am worried about making sure you get each of those types of cycles mixed into a year so that you're working all those different levels. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be sequential. It doesn't mean it has to be where you mix things up. But the most important variable is just that you get each of those distances in at various times. I can tell you for me, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the mile, for example, as long as you're working the 5K and 10K into the range, mile would be great too. But as long as you're working the 5K, 10K into the range, that's sufficient for me as a coach. And then periodically working in the half and then going back up to the marathon. And so what I often see as a coach is that the sequence of that work depends largely on what goals and what race opportunities you might have in front of you. 
I can tell you that here in my area, in the Austin area, we have a season for, for faster, shorter races, which tends to be our spring season. We have a season for longer stuff, which tends to be from fall to winter time frame. And so oftentimes the way people sequence their cycles in, in my world here in this geography is simply by the nature of what race opportunities you might have in front of you. And so depending on what that might look like in your area, I would focus on mixing in those different distances, getting all race distances under your belt, but then matching that to the landscape in front of you, the opportunities that you might have in front of you, because I want to make sure that you have those nice, good opportunities to go showcase some of that work and to go chase PRs at all of those levels. So I think when it comes to sequencing, you can sequence that based on the opportunities that you might have from a race perspective locally or that you can travel to and just make sure then that you're getting all levels within a reasonable period of training time. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a year like it typically is in my world because that's the way things typically set up for me. But it could be over the course of 18 months or two years that you're able to work in all of those distances so that you can really develop as an athlete, as a runner at all levels, which will only help you when you go back to the marathon. So there you go. Work all distances. The order is less important, especially as you build together year upon year of this work. Just as long as you're getting in, I just want to see that balance in distances over time. I was actually looking back at my my race spreadsheet, I've got a race results spreadsheet that I've been tracking ever since I started running races back in the year 2000. And I've got 156 races now, race results now on the docket. And I've done, if I look back at the distances, I've got it number, or at least I have the count by distance where I've done 29 10Ks, done 27 half marathons, and I've started 21 full marathons, finished 20 of those. So I have pretty good balance from 10K to half to full marathon. Need to work a little bit on my 5K distance. I've only done 17 of those, but I'm actually racing one this coming weekend. So trying to round that out a little bit myself. But over that period where, you know, now I've been working and running or working on my own running for over 20 years, I've been able to put together that balance where I'm averaging about one and a half, 10 Ks and halves a year and about one marathon a year over that period. So I've got some balance there and all of that range only helps really all distances because also that marathon volume comes back, will come back around and help you at the shorter stuff when you go back to that whenever it makes sense. So again, Get the, get the distances, work the range, but doesn't necessarily have to be in sequence. I would instead sequence that based on the relevant goals or maybe the seasons in your environment because some people may choose to work the shorter stuff in the summer months when that's a little bit easier perhaps in your, in your climate than, than the winter months. So there you go. Hopefully that helps you, Victoria. But good to see you're asking the question and thinking about how you can sequence that work into your own training. Okay, let's jump into my main topic for today. We're going to talk about fear and courage, fear and courage and how those manifest in our running lives. And for this, I wanted to start by saying 
that I'm actually terrified myself walking into the race that I've got this coming weekend. I've got a 5K that I'm running on Sunday, and I haven't run a 5K, at least an official one. I did a few virtual ones during the pandemic, but I haven't run an official 5K since the fall of 2019. So it's been about two and a half years for me. And I'm, I'm terrified. It's crazy as someone who tends to prefer the pain of the marathon. It's crazy how much fear I have walking into a 5k that's going to last much shorter, a much shorter duration, but I'm terrified walking into this race because I know how much I can suffer in a 5k. I know how different that pain is from what I'm typically used to. And it has fear in my heart as I approach that starting line coming up this weekend, but I'm going to step into it. I'm going to go for it because I know that's an important part of my speed speed build this spring, winter and spring. But it's a, I think that's a common feeling. I think that's a common experience where we're afraid sometimes of stepping on that starting line and but that's a good thing because it represents a goal that's big enough. It represents doing something that will put you, put you out of your comfort zone, allow you to test your limits and find new ones. So as we step into this conversation about fear and courage and running, I just wanted to let you know that I've got a healthy dose of it. We're staring me right in my face as I approach my race this weekend. But I wanted to share another Brene Brown quote before I jump into talking about fear And then we'll talk about courage in the second half of the episode. But the quote from Brene Brown, I already shared one of them, but this is another one that I like from her about this topic. She says, choose the great adventure of being brave and afraid at the exact same time. Choose the great adventure of being brave and afraid at the exact same time. And it's so true. And I think when we set big goals, when we step into challenging situations when we face our limits. That is the perfect example of being brave and afraid at the exact same time, because unless your goals are big enough, you're not going to be afraid. It's not going to be worth chasing them, but chasing them, acknowledging them, stepping into them requires great courage. And that's what it's all about. That's the magic of the journey that we enter When we set out to do big things in our running and the nice and powerful thing is that that then can have ripple effects into our daily life, which is to me as a coach, one of the most satisfying things to experience and watch through the athletes I face. But I'm telling you, I've got it myself and it's one reason why I continue to set big goals and chase them as a runner. But let's talk about fear and I'll remind you about how I structured these, the last episodes, 258 and 259, talking about these emotions and feelings that come with running. I'm going to talk about first, just acknowledge, just, just describe what fear might come, what it can look like, what it's looked like for me that you might be able to relate to it. So I just want to talk about how it manifests first. We'll talk about on the fear side. We'll talk about on the courage side when we get there. And then secondly, we're going to talk about how do we face it? How do we face that fear? How do we channel that courage? How do we move through these feelings and experiences when we have them? So two parts to each of these conversations about fear and courage. First, just describing what we might experience. And second, talking about how do we use it, face it, channel it. So on the fear side, there's I've got some fears 
written down here that I'll share. These are just examples from what I've seen as an athlete and coach, and you may be thinking about others as we talk through this. But first, and I talked a little bit about this one actually when I was talking about anxiety in episode 259, but there is also, there's also in fear, this fear of the unknown, this fear of the unknown. And I think when we step onto a starting line, one of the most challenging parts of it, even if we've faced a distance before, especially with the marathon, but really true for all distances, is this fear of not knowing what you might experience or what might happen to you once you cross in to that race course. That fear of the unknown, of the pain that might come and how it might be different from what you've experienced before and, and how it might challenge you in new ways. It's real. It's palpable. Like I mentioned, I've got this 5K this weekend and I've done 17 other 5Ks plus a host of virtual ones plus several time trial 5Ks that I've done in training through the years. And while I think I have a sense, while I have these whispers of memories, they're kind of like dreams that you've had where you, where you, where you can reflect on maybe bits and pieces of what happened in that dream, but for whatever reason, you can't capture all of the memories of it. I feel like racing pain is kind of like that, where you have these, these hints and inclinations about what you might experience, but there's also a big part of it where you just don't know how it's going to feel again, and you don't know how you're going to be able to face it when it comes. And so there's that fear of the unknown and that can come whether you've done the distance or not, because I can promise you it's even more palpable when you're showing up and doing something you've never done before. That first marathon, that first ultra marathon, that first half marathon where you're crossing into distances that you've never done and you don't know what that will look like in that place you've never been that fear of the unknown. And it can be incredibly paralyzing in many ways because you aren't sure how you're going to face it. You aren't sure what it's going to be like. You you don't know what it's going to look like or how it's going to play out. And so it's hard to step into the unknown in racing, but it's real. It's there and it's downright scary. So that's one fear. Another fear I have in racing is the fear of the known, the fear of what you know exactly to be true. Like I said, I have towed the line at 21 marathons. I've finished 20 and I have a pretty good sense for what it feels like to suffer in a marathon. Now, certainly I've experienced new things through that journey, including a feeling like I've never experienced in Boston this past year. But there's also a lot of familiarity with the things that you face. You're familiar with the anxiety that comes on the start line. You're familiar with the pain that comes in your legs at the end of a marathon. There's familiarity with the challenges that you're going to face in this 5K this, this weekend. I know at some level what that anaerobic pain feels like, and yet it's terrifying because you know it's hard. You know that it's difficult. You know that it's a big challenge that you're stepping into. And yes, it does mean that your goals are big enough and that you're challenging yourself in a way that you should. But at the same time, it's terrifying to step into that again and again to know exactly what you're putting 
yourself into, especially after a bad race. I've had a couple of conversations recently with athletes that didn't have the races that they wanted. And we had to talk to them. I had to talk to them about, okay, let's get back on the horse. Let's go after it again. Are you ready? Are you willing to do that? And that means partially just facing the feelings associated with that disappointment, but then getting back on the saddle and just going to do it again. But you're stepping into a very real fear of what if that happens again? What if that same thing I know is hard hits me again and I don't have the result that I wanted? So there's plenty of fear of the things you know all about. The suffering, the pain, the hard parts. They're real. They're palpable. You know them if you've done it before, but man, it's still hard to face them because you're scared. What if I can't deal with it like I did in the past? So that's another fear, fear of the known. Then there's fear of failure, fear of failure. What if I don't get my goal, which is real and palpable? What if I do all this work? What if I show up at the start line ready? What if even though I'm ready and I've done all the work, I still don't get it? What if I fail? What will people think when I fail? How will I face it? What will be the feelings that I have when I don't get my goal? We sign up for this fear when we chase big goals. doesn't make it easy to face it. Fear of failure. What will people think? What will I think? How will I respond? Will I be able to get back up and do it again? These are all real palpable feelings that come with the fear of failure. And I see people struggle with this fear of failure, oftentimes in the form of self-sabotage, where maybe they won't do all the work so that they will have an excuse when it doesn't work out. When they don't get their goal, they can point to the three or four things they didn't do instead of doing all the work so that when you then get your goal or not, you have a real honest perspective about where you stand relative to that goal. And so fear of failure can manifest in people in different ways, but man, it's real. It's palpable. I've got a goal for my race this weekend and I have no idea if I can get there. And while this is a small race in the grand scheme, it's really kind of a practice race, a prep race for a 10K that I have coming in April, it's still terrifying to think that I might not be able to do what I'm trying to do, that fear of failure. Another fear, this one's a little bit harder to wrap your head around and maybe to see and relate to, but it's the fear of success. What if I get my goal? What will that then mean? Will that mean that I have to now raise the bar again? Will that mean that people will start to have expectations for me that are bigger, that are higher, that I then have to live up to, that I then have to hold myself to a higher standard if I actually get the thing? And so fear of success, I see as a subtle fear that maybe isn't obvious to most and isn't necessarily that thing that hits you in the face like the fear of failure, but it is real. And I see it often in athletes. And I can tell you, I've had it myself 
recently and thinking about my goal to hopefully eventually run 240 in the marathon, I think at some level, I have the fear of success, the fear of actually being able to do that, which prevents me from doing all of the work at times. It's sort of a different form of self-sabotage because if I then chase that and get it, then what? What does that mean? It'll be amazing. It'll be something that I would obviously love at one level, but then at the same time, it would suddenly raise the bar, raise the standards, mean that I have to potentially do even more work. And that is terrifying in its own strange backwards way. So the fear of success. Another fear that we face in running is fear of not being good enough. The fear of not being good enough. What if you do all the work and you can't get your goal? Then what? What does that mean? Does that mean I'm just not good enough? Does that mean I'm just not talented enough? Does that mean that I'm just not worthy enough of that goal? The fear of not being good enough. Paralyzing in many ways. I think all of us at our core struggle with worthiness, with self-confidence, with belief in ourselves. And this is where I see people oftentimes have stories about why they can't get something. And this, is, this was me probably six or seven years ago in my mid-30s with three kids and a business and athletes that I coach myself, telling myself that it would be okay if I never PR'd again because I'd done everything in the sport that I wanted to and I also just enjoyed it. And so I would tell myself that as a way to talk myself out of chasing big goals at that time. And I remember having a goal-setting conversation with a friend and that conversation came back to this idea that we all tell ourselves stories about why we can't do something. And at the time my story for myself was, well, I can't achieve and chase these PRs anymore because I've got all this stuff going on in my life. When the reality was that that was just an excuse. That was an excuse to hide from chasing, to hide from this fear of not being good enough. And instead, I flipped that script and said, no, I know exactly what I need to do, even in the context of everything going on in my life. And I changed the story from it can't be me because to why not me? Because I knew exactly what I needed to do to go accomplish the things I wanted to accomplish. And I was able to then over the next couple of years, actually PR in every distance from the 5k up to the marathon because I faced down that fear of, of not being good enough, which was causing me to tell stories about why I couldn't do it when truly it was just a matter of asking myself, why not? So that's another fear we face, the fear of not being good enough. And what will tell you about us at our core if we can't achieve the thing that we strive for? Another fear that we face in this world is fear of disapproval. Fear of disapproval. What if others think I'm not good enough? What if I don't get my goal and I do that in a public fashion and then people look at me and they say, that person's not good enough. They're not worthy. 
So while many of us are seeking that internal validation that we're good enough, we're also chasing that external validation that we're good enough and we're wanting that approval from others. Now, to me, this one is the one that's least real, that we often manifest out of nothing. These other fears, fear of the known, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of not being good enough, that's all real stuff. I mean, that's, those are real things we're facing. Fear of disapproval mostly isn't real. And I can tell you this as somebody who's seen it, that if you fail and you step into that and own it and share that with others openly, you will be surrounded with love and approval. And so this is one of those fears that just frankly isn't real. And maybe there are little places where it is real, where the environment is not nurturing or is not one that would give you community and comfort. But for the most part, in my experience in the worlds I've, in the worlds I've operated in this running community, the fear of disapproval isn't real. Most people will accept you with open arms, even in your failure. Another fear that goes with the fear of failure is the fear of disappointment, the fear of facing those feelings that you might have when you don't get your goal. I see this fear manifest when somebody doesn't get their goal. Certainly they have that disappointment, but then they're afraid to linger in it. They want to immediately move on to the next thing, go chase the next goal, just gloss over those feelings of disappointment, that feeling of failure, and just move on to the next. Instead of sitting in those emotions, instead of processing and letting them flow, you just move on. Skip over. Don't linger and sit in those feelings. And that's the fear of disappointment. That's the fear of facing the reality of your fears in many ways coming true when you don't get the thing that you want. And it's, it's real and it's a common instinct and reflux instead of sitting in those emotions for a day or two days or a week and just letting them come and acknowledging them. We skip over them. We move on because we don't want to face the dark parts of our heart when we put ourselves out there and don't get what we want. So. Those are all fears that I've faced in very real ways in this sport. And even though it seems silly to think that we do this, quote, silly pursuit of putting one foot in front of the other, it's silly to think that these are all real things that manifest because you think, man, we're, we're not saving lives. We're not sacrificing lives. We're just putting one foot in the other. We're just setting big goals and chasing them. So why is it? that all of these fears are so real and palpable to us. And that's because they're, they're there. And I'm here to acknowledge that, hopefully relate to you in that, to not minimize that these things will come to you if you're chasing big goals, if you're putting yourself out there, if you're testing your limits. Your limits. And all I'm trying to do right now is just relate and help you understand that it's okay to feel these things. It's okay to fear these, feel these things. So let's talk about what to do about it. Let's talk about what to do about it. 
And I've talked about some of these things in the context of those other feelings and emotions. And I'll reiterate this point, which is that you have to linger in it. You can't dismiss these feelings. Part of me talking about these fears is giving you validation that it's okay to have these fears. As I mentioned in my last episode and at the beginning, fear is not a sign of weakness. Fear and courage must come together. It is not a bad thing to feel any of these feelings. Where it starts to become a challenge is when you get paralyzed in fear versus being able to move into action. And courage is the representation of that action. So what I'm here to talk about is how do we move through these things? Step one as I mentioned with some of the feelings I talked about in 258 and 259, is simply to acknowledge and sit in the fear. Acknowledge and sit in, recognize it when it comes. Talk about it to yourself, to others in your community that will understand, because we can't move past fear until... We recognize it's there and we allow ourselves to acknowledge as a part of that, that it isn't bigger than us. It isn't bigger than us. And believe me, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've stood on a starting line, then you face down at least a few of these, if not all of them in one form or another, which means that you have power You have dominion over this fear, but start by simply acknowledging it, by naming it, by sitting in it for a beat and just recognizing that it's there. Step one for most processing most of these challenging feelings is just acknowledging it, naming it, sitting in it for a moment. Step two for me is to not get too far ahead of myself is to put blinders on in many ways to get really laser focused on the near term and take that next small step into that fear, whatever it may look like. If that's heading to a start line, if that's chasing a big goal, just take the next smallest step. One of the things I find interesting about fear is that it's largely an anticipatory feeling. It's something that you feel outside of the action of wherever the fear lives or or manifest it's it's that fear of going to the race and all the things that might be associated with it but typically once you get into the race itself once you're actually doing it it it's not there so a big part of overcoming fear for me is just to take action and so the question is okay what's that ne- what's that next step what's that next small step that i need to take to get ready to face that thing i might be having fear about and take that step so chunk it up into small little bits and take that next step and then take the next one after that and keep making those action oriented steps into the fear because that's when it will dissipate, it will melt away, and you'll be left with just doing the thing 
that you might be afraid of. And so if I think about the start line that I'm facing this weekend, it it's easy for me to get wrapped up even for a 5k in the fear of the pain associated with what's going to be coming. Again, it's been two and a half years since I raced a 5k. It's easy. It would be easy to get overwhelmed by that. Instead, I'm going to acknowledge it, name it out loud, and then take the, the next smallest step I can take, which as I sit here on a day like today, what I can do is simply lay out my race plan for the event. I know what the course looks like. It's a uphill for the first mile and a half, screaming downhill for the second half. And I can break that down relative to my goal and try to put together a plan that will help me go accomplish it. That's the step I can take today. A step I can take as I approach it for this weekend will be on the Saturday before doing my shakeout run, doing my pre-run strides so that I'm ready to go take on the race on Sunday. And so just take that next small action oriented step into your goal and keep taking those steps until you're right in the middle of it. Because again, fear is typically more of an anticipatory feeling. It's not something that tends to linger once we're doing, once we're facing it head on. And third, then just keep repeating that, repeating that. As a part of repeating that, I always like to remind myself when I've overcome a fear or when that fear wasn't as real as it should have been. That 5K in in the middle of it, certainly I know it's going to hurt, but by the time I get to the finish line, it'll be probably that feeling of what was I afraid of? Yeah, that hurt. That was hard. Of course it was. It's a 5K. That anaerobic pain and suffering is hard. but does it compare to the fear of anticipation that I had? Probably not. So then you move through it and get better at coping with those future fears by simply making that comparison. Was it as hard or as scary as my brain built it up to be in anticipation? Yes or no? Most of the time it's not. Sure, maybe sometimes it is. Conquer it anyway, but... By making that comparison, you then start to diminish that fear in your brain so that the next time you show up to a starting line, you can face it with a little bit more confidence. You develop those coping mechanisms to chase down or away that fear in future opportunities. So always do that postmortem. Make that comparison. Was that as bad as I thought or not? And As a part of that, take the lessons you learned from coping it, the short, small action steps that you took in in challenging and facing those fears and then carry that into the work that you might do towards future ones. So acknowledge, sit in the fear, take action, repeat action, and of course, reflect back as you do it. And then rinse and repeat. Keep doing that again and again, and you will never lose the fear. It will always be there. Like I said, I've been on 17 5K start lines, but now I'm still terrified of the next one I'm facing. But I'm better at coping with it now than I was 20 years ago, that's for sure. Okay, so that's fear. Now we'll talk about courage in just a second. Before we get there, I wanted to talk about my partnership with Inside Tracker. I've mentioned them now 
in several weeks of the recent episodes, but Inside Tracker is a company that was founded in 2009 by leading scientists, aging, genetic, and biometric experts. They basically take your blood data, your DNA data, and your fitness tracking data and give you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes that will help you perform better. One of the features that I haven't talked about yet that I wanted to mention as I talk about it this time is their inner age 2.0 tool, which is a part of the analysis they that they do when you submit your blood work with them is they give you an inner age for you versus your actual age based on how that data comes back. And so for me, as someone who's 42 and a half, I'll be 43 in July Inner age came back at 39, so I'm still not yet over the hill based on my inner age, based on the underlying health metrics inside my body, which is good. But it also, as a part of that, break down the pluses and minuses versus your actual age and how those health indicators, those underlying health indicators actually might say you're older than you should be, or perhaps you're younger in reality than you should be based on the underlying health information. And then it'll tell you how you can make changes to improve those things that are aging you, so to speak. And it'll also show and highlight those things that are helping you with longevity. And so pretty interesting, pretty powerful tool. I definitely learned some things looking at my data that show I have some opportunities. I can get that 39 down, potentially even lower by making some simple changes based on the recommendations they provide. So a pretty cool tool, InterAge 2.0. But again, they're also just going to give you all those general recommendations to improve your performance based on what they see in that underlying blood DNA and fitness tracking data. So if you want to take advantage of my offer with Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. That's rogue spelled R-O-G-U-E for 20% off their entire Inside Tracker store. All of their options available to you at 20% off right off the top. If you use this link, so just go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue for 20% off. Check it out. I've been getting really cool insights and I know you will too. So there you go. Now let's talk about courage. The other side of it, the flip side to the coin as Brene Brown talks about courage and fear necessarily come together. And if you choose the great adventure of being brave and afraid at the exact same time, that's a pretty amazing journey. So let's talk about the flip side to fear and how In so many ways, those of us that strive through running choose courage all the time. And so I want to talk about seven different ways that we choose courage before we talk about how to channel that, how to even use it more. And so first, there's courage in setting big goals. There's courage in setting big goals, putting yourself out there by striving to do something you've never done before. And you know to me it's interesting about this one because it it actually takes time to really learn how to flex this muscle of courage that oftentimes when we're new in our journey we tend to choose safer goals because we're not really sure what might be possible for us but 
as we do the work, as we learn, we start to get more aggressive, as we see others around us that are doing similar work, strive and achieve, then we start to get braver. We start to have more courage related to setting our own personal goals. And it's fun for me to be a part of that as a coach. I also get to, as a coach, get to tell people what might be possible so that they can start to believe in bigger things for themselves. And there's definitely a theme, I think, with courage here, which is that, yes, there's an individual component that you have to to step into and use yourself, but there's also a huge team component to this of having people around you that are willing to speak truth to you and say, hey, this is possible. Go, go get it. Go achieve it. And then that starts to build your own belief, your own courage about striving bigger. So there's a lot of courage in setting big goals. Another representation of courage in our world is doing the work, having the courage to do the work. Now that one might seem silly. You might think, well, why is it courageous to do the work? That seems like brass tacks. That seems like the basics. But I think it actually takes a lot of courage to do the work because this gets to the whole facing the fear of failure or maybe for some facing the fear of success because there are plenty of people that are afraid to do the work because if they do the work and then don't get their goal, then that might point to their own worth and value. But if you do the work and you don't get your goal, that is a more challenging reality to face from my perspective. So there's a lot of people that shy away from the work because they're afraid of it. So have courage by doing the work. That also means facing tough challenges in balancing the work. All of us have limited time, limited resources, limited things in our life, and we can't give it all to running. But it takes courage to carve that out, to prioritize, to make tough decisions about what's more important to you than others so that you can face down these big goals and go after them. And that might mean having the courage to wake up really early and do the work. Might mean having the courage to plan a strength program and execute a strength program that isn't fun or necessarily comfortable or that might be outside your comfort zone. So it takes courage to do those things, to face and do the work and to set up your life in a way that allows you to actually go through the motions, to walk the walk, so to speak. So there's plenty of courage in doing the work. There's courage associated with getting on the start line, with facing down that big race, whether that be the 5K that I'm scared of or the marathon or the half or whatever may be the big challenge in front of you, but there's massive courage in just signing up and getting to that starting line because that is putting yourself out there. That is facing that challenge head on. That's staring down the goal right in front of you and then going after it. So plenty of courage with just getting to a start line. There's courage in the face of a race, of staring down the pain when it comes, of facing the doubts, the fears, the anxiety that might come on the start line or in the race itself, the pain that comes at 
mile 10 of a half marathon, mile four of a 10K, mile two of a 5K, mile 22 of a marathon. There's pain in all of those moments and there's courage in staring it down, using your mental tools, putting your fitness to work and conquering. And that doesn't mean you get it right every time. Sometimes you might succumb to that pain, but over time, if you face it again and again, you'll get there. So there's massive courage in staring down and facing and dealing with and addressing the pain when it comes. There's courage in sitting in the feelings. You know, I talked about the fear of disappointment and how often people skip over those post-race feelings if things didn't go the way they wanted. But I think it takes great courage to sit in it to face it, to feel the feels, to think for a moment that I don't need to solve this. I just need to feel this. For this one, I actually think about, I mentioned Michaela Schifrin in my last episode, but I actually think about her after she skied out of the the slalom course, didn't finish her best event, favorite to win gold. She skied out, didn't finish that race, and then sat on the snow with her hands with her face in her hands and just faced her feelings instead of skiing down, getting off the course, getting out of the public eye. She could have run away from it right then and there, but instead to me, it took great courage to just sit there on the slope with her head in her hands and face all of the emotions that were coming at that time. Some people would point to that and say, well, that's weakness that she didn't just ski down and move on. No, that is strength. That's courage. That is facing those feelings and being willing to sit in them. And we've all had those moments in our race when disappointment came, when you didn't get your goal, and yet you had to just sit there and feel those feelings. I can tell you after my first Boston, I bonked first and first time to bonk. Only time I've ever bonked in a marathon, completely bonked from a fueling related mistake. And I remember sitting after I finished that race, I remember sitting on a street corner in Boston, just sitting in it, just being disappointed because I didn't get my goal on that day on the amateurs running the amateur running's biggest stage. And I remember just sitting in it and facing it. That isn't weakness. That is courage. That takes strength to face those feelings, to feel all the feels. Another form of courage is standing up, doing it again after failure. Talk to so many athletes after they don't get their goal for whatever reason. And after they've faced all the feelings it's hard to get back on the horse. It's hard to go at it again, knowing that you could end up with the exact same scenario where you do all the work, you do everything right, you execute, and yet for whatever reason, the race doesn't go your way. Could be weather, could be just a bad day, could be anything. And it takes massive courage to get up after failure and keep doing the work. Massive courage to get back on the next starting line to stand up after you fall and face it again. And yet I'm surrounded by people that do it all the time. And there is no more inspiration for me in this sport than an athlete 
that doesn't get their goal once, twice, three times, but continue to do the work, continue to do the work over the period of maybe not even a year, but multiple years, and then eventually gets it because they were willing to keep getting up after failure and do more work and go for it again, and they ultimately get it. The courage of standing back up after failure. There's also courage of sharing your journey with others, being willing to tell people what your goals are, being willing to share the race that you're doing so that people can track you passing out your bib number and telling people what your goals are for the day so that they know exactly what you're chasing. There is massive courage in that. And we do it all the time. And while we might not be facing that performance anxiety of an Olympian with all the cameras on, we're still facing that same performance anxiety where people are tracking us, where people are watching what we're doing, where they're checking results. And there's courage, massive courage associated with sharing that journey with others. As I mentioned, you know, I think the fear of disapproval is, is mostly phantom in our community of people that understand. And so this one should be, I think, the easiest of them, but it can be hard to step out, to feel that pressure of others watching. And so there's massive courage associated with sharing your journey with others. So from setting your goals to standing on the starting line to facing what might come in a race to sharing that experience with others, all of those are things as runners that we do all the time. And yet I don't know that we acknowledge the courage associated with those steps. And yet, They're massive. They're powerful because as I talked about those fears that I mentioned in the first half of the episode, those are all real. And those are things that we all face at one point or another. And we face them down with action and we step into the courage of all of those things that I mentioned by simply showing up and facing down those associated fears. And that's pretty powerful, pretty cool. And so while there aren't any necessarily major insights about what to do about courage, I want to encourage a few things as we think about it. One, to just acknowledge that there is courage associated with the things that I just mentioned. Again, they all seem like maybe small steps getting to a start line. You might be thinking, Chris, come on. How is that courageous? especially when you might compare it to to other start lines, like an Olympic start line, or maybe other actions taken by others that seem like such a bigger deal. And, and we love to always compare ourselves to others, but I want you to just acknowledge the courage associated with that, as one example, that simple step. Because it takes real courage put yourself out there in that way. And what you're doing when you stand on a start line is courageous. And it's also the same courage that it might take to face something else in your life. If you can show up at a start line, you can show up at work in a way that's courageous. You can show up in relationships in a way that's courageous. You can show up with your family in a way that's courageous. You can face life's biggest challenges with courage 
because of what you've learned as a runner by taking these small steps, what seem like small steps. So one, just acknowledge the courage associated with the journey that we're on if we're chasing big goals through our running. And that may sound cheesy to some, but I don't think it is. I think it's real. Not just I think, I know it's real because I've seen it manifest in my own life. I've also seen it as a coach manifest in the lives of, of others. So acknowledge the courage associated with some of these actions that I mentioned. Another thing I want you to do is to own it, to then take ownership of that and use it. To face the fears that I mentioned, to know that you can do big and hard things, whether that be in running or in life. Own that courage, acknowledge it, and then own it, use it as a superpower because it is one. Doing hard things in this sport will help you do and face hard things in other areas of life. And I want you to own that because it's real, it's palpable. Put on that cape that you wear on a start line and use it, not just in your running, but in other ways in your life. And then the last thing I want you to do with this, this idea, is to help others in your world get it. Help others in your world get it. Whether that be your running friends and running partners, I want you to speak truth to them about the courage that they're taking in their own life. Because sometimes it takes the acknowledgement of others, just like maybe it's taking my acknowledgement to you. It, it takes that acknowledgement in order for somebody to actually recognize it and then certainly own it themselves. And so if you can rec- acknowledge it and recognize it in your own life, then I want you to speak that into that truth into the lives of others by acknowledging it for them, by recognizing it for them, by telling them about the courage that they might be demonstrating, whether that be in their running or in their life, because that will then transfer that power from you to them in a way that will have meaning. This is one of the most powerful things I get to do as a coach is speak to others, show them their own courage, show them their own ability to stare down fear, to face hard challenges, and to then through that test their limits beyond what they thought possible by simply me helping them see what they can do. And you can be that for others. So acknowledge and own your own courage and then share it with others because then the magic and power extends well beyond you, which is when it really gets interesting and fun and inspiring. So there you go. That's my word for today, talking about fear and courage in our running. Again, it may, may seem silly to talk about such big and grand feelings and emotions in our sport, but I don't think it is. I think that's what make our, makes our sport so magical. It also is what makes our sport relatable and ubiquitous to anyone, is because those feelings, those fears are real for everybody in the pack regardless of what degree of fast you might be running there. Those fears are real and that courage is real from the elite at the front to that person at the back who may just be focused on covering the distance. It is the same for all of us. 
And that's what is so uniting about these feelings. And to the extent that we can recognize that we all face these same fears and we all have courage in these same ways, then that will connect us and make us more powerful as a community. And that is one of my passions in this sport. So there you go. I will wrap this episode with that word. As a reminder, you can use 20% off at Inside Tracker by going to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. You can also check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. This is Chris. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.